Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we just are so thankful for the opportunity to to gather together and and to sing praises, Lord, and, and to think about your glory and your holiness and your power and your majesty and your love. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you still sit upon your throne you're still a good God and you are still righteous and holy Father and we worship you and we thank you for giving us this chance just to assemble together Father to come together and to sing and to worship just to praise your name Father I I pray for our time together this morning especially Lord that you would just give us peace we would just remember your goodness and remember your joy I pray the power of the spirit would just wash over us in a very supernatural way father and lord i pray you'd be glorified i pray you'd be honored father i pray as we think more about who you are that we would be transformed more and more into the image of your son jesus christ it's in his name that we pray amen take your bibles and open to psalm chapter 95 Psalm chapter 95. Today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, if you're new with us or, or haven't been with us in a little while, we've been working through the book of Hebrews, and I, I love the book of Hebrews. It's been very challenging for me. Uh, it's been very encouraging for me. Uh, the Lord has just really spoken to me personally through the study, and, and we're going to pick that back up next week. Our, our theme has been Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than the Old Testament prophets. Jesus is greater than the Old Testament kings. Uh, Jesus is greater than, than anything in this world. Jesus is greater than everything. And we're, we're going to continue that series next week. And I had that sermon lined up and ready to go. And I, I finished it this week. And I always, on Saturdays, just kind of get it out and think through it and pray through it and, and usually change it a little bit and move things around kind of throughout the day. And I woke up Saturday morning and I just didn't have a piece about preaching it. And it's, you know, it's Saturday morning, Lord, so you've you got to give me something quick, right? If I'm not going to preach Hebrews, what do you want me to preach? And I just started thinking about it and praying about it. And I was reading through the book of Psalms. And the Lord just kind of led me to this passage of Scripture. And I just wanted to kind of spend some time today being being reminded of the goodness of the Lord. Being reminded of the joy of the Lord. This has been a, a tough week for a lot of people, for our church especially. And I just want to kind of encourage you and, and just kind of thank you. So, so many people this week. Uh, have, have just been involved in, in ministering and loving and uh, taking food. And um, for those of you that, that were at the Martin's house on Tuesday night and prayed and sang, uh, that's one of the most incredible things I've ever been a part of. And I just want you to, I just want you to know that in, in this week especially, I love you so much. I love this church. <clears throat> and I, I can't imagine walking through difficulty with anybody else. So thank you for what you've done. Uh, thank you for 
the prayers and the ministry. And I, I know the Martin family is, is so very grateful for you and loves you very much. I, I want to just kind of stay in, in, in light of what we've been studying through the book of Hebrews, that, that Jesus is greater even than this struggle. Jesus is greater. And so sometimes we, we need to be reminded of the goodness of God and we, we need to be reminded of his joy. And, and I think one of the best places we can see that goodness and see that joy is Psalm 95. And so flip there this morning. If you, if you haven't already got there, just find it. We're going to be in the first seven verses. Uh, the book of Psalms is really a collection of poetry written by a lot of different people. David wrote a lot of it, and, and Solomon and, and others. But the thing I love about the book of Psalms, if, if you're ever uh, walking through a difficult time or a struggle, you ought to just kind of camp out in the book of Psalms because it's filled with the glory of the Lord. It's filled with His praises. It's, it's filled with His joy. And oftentimes it's filled with His joy in, in the midst of struggle because, because David especially had, had a lot of struggles in his life and, and went through a lot of uh, a very difficult times and yet the Lord walked him through those with goodness and with grace. And David remembers those things. And it's, it's good for us to be reminded sometimes. So Psalm chapter 95, we're going we're to look at just the first seven verses. We have it on the screen. The words of the Lord. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. And as we do every Sunday morning, I want, I want to draw truth out of this text. I want you to see this truth that God has given us. I want you to understand it and, and, and try to figure out how you can apply it to your lives. And so there, there's several ideas that I want to show you this morning that lead us to this place of praising God and finding hope in Him and especially finding joy in Him. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Number one, we have joy because we have salvation through the Lord. We have joy because we have salvation through the Lord. Listen to verse 1 again very clearly. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Like You, you need to understand that the salvation that the Lord has offered you is the greatest gift you can ever receive. His grace and His love and His mercy. And the joy that comes through that is incredible. Now, there, there are a lot of good things in this life, and we've kind of been talking about some of those good things and really comparing them to Christ over the last several weeks. But, but there are a lot of good things, family, friends, health, right? We, we, we know all these things, but the, the, the things about the world that we have to understand and we kind of need to kind of put in perspective is that all of those things are temporary, right? Like all the things of this world, and I know you know this, but you need to be reminded of this truth. All the things of this world will one day go away. The, the things that you put such a high premium on and, and care so much about and, and work so hard to get and to attain, right? All the things of this world will, will one day go away, but the blessing of salvation will last for eternity. 
I had a professor in seminary that kind of said it like this. He, he would talk about the, the grace of God and, and the joy of God and especially the salvation that the Lord has given us. And he said a lot of times believers kind of get over that grace. They kind of get over that joy. Maybe they had it, and if you ask them, of course, they would say it like that, and they remember it, but they don't necessarily live their lives with the joy that they find in the Lord. They don't, they don't live their lives remembering that this great salvation has been given to them as a gift. They don't live their lives remembering that every moment is a blessing. They, they don't live their lives remembering that one day they will spend eternity with Christ in heaven. That should bring you greater joy than anything on this earth. <laughs> And that's what Psalm 95 is about. Like, sing for joy. Come before the Lord with thanksgiving. The, the Lord is a great God, right? Well, there, there, there's this kind of understanding built into Psalm 95 that when we assemble together as a body of believers, when we kind of come into his courts or come into his presence, we come with thanksgiving. We come thanking the Lord for what he's done. And, and I've said this before, and this is just kind of a little, a little side note, but maybe a good question for you if you've kind of lost your joy in the Lord or you've kind of gotten over that grace. Maybe a good question for you is, how are you preparing your hearts to worship when you come on Sundays? Right? For, for a lot of people, it's just kind of crazy, get up fast, get the kids ready, whatever that looks like for you, drive to church as quickly as you can, rush in the door, find your seat, and you're, you're sweating and breathing hard, and you've kind of forgotten uh, that this is a time of worship, and I get it, I totally get that, but, but maybe we should spend more time preparing our hearts for worship, so that when we come into his presence, we come with thanksgiving, right? And when we're singing, the Bible says, make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise, you know, I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not calling anybody out, right? This is between you and the Lord. But if you're not singing during time of worship, you're missing a blessing. You know that? You say, oh, I, don't, I don't sing very well. I don't know. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It just says make a joyful noise. Right? The idea that even with our groans, sometimes we worship the Lord. We need to be reminded of his goodness. We need to sing for joy. We need to come into his courts with thanksgiving. Why? Because he is a great God. The book of Psalms reminds us of this. There's so many examples of, of Psalms talking about praising the Lord. For example, Psalm 13, 6 says, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You know, if you've forgotten the goodness of the Lord, it might be a good exercise for you today or one day this week or someday soon just to kind of sit down and process and think through and maybe even write down some of the ways in which the Lord has, has blessed you some of the good gifts that he's given to you, right? We can name them all if we thought long enough about them, but sometimes we forget about those gifts. Maybe be good to, to praise the Lord and remembering he's been good to us and kind of write down and think through all the ways in which he's blessed us. Psalm chapter 30 verse 4 says, Sing praises to the Lord, you his faithful people, praise his holy name. Psalm 57, 9 says, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among all the peoples. All across the world, right? The name of the Lord is glorified. Psalm 71, 22, I will praise you with the harp and with your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. The book of Psalm is filled with the idea of praise and worship to God because he's a good God. He is our salvation. But I want you to notice what it says right in verse 1 again. I want you to pull 95 one up because there's a word here I want you to see. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the... What's the next word there? The rock of our salvation. 
Right? There are moments in life when it feels like the ground beneath our feet is crumbling. Like there are moments in life when it feels like the world is kind of spinning out of control. There are moments in life when it feels as if uh, everything we knew to be true is not. And there's sometimes these, these times in life where we feel like we're just kind of being tossed by the storm. We, we need to remember that we don't serve a weak God. We don't serve a God that doesn't understand us. We don't serve a God who can't stand with us firm beneath our feet. We serve a God who's a rock for us. You understand that? He's a rock of our salvation. I don't, I don't want to miss this truth. I don't, I don't ever want to miss the chance to, to say this, but I just want to be very clear to, to everybody in here this morning. A, a lot of you are believers. You, you've been a Christian for a number of years, but I, I just want to be very clear. The, the Bible is, is pretty specific when it comes to salvation. You can't work your way to heaven, can't say enough good things, can't come to church enough times. The Bible says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Right? God, God has given you this gift, right? He's given you this beautiful gift. You can't earn it, you can't do enough good things, you can't give enough money, you can't say enough nice things to people, you can't show up at church enough times, you can't read your Bible enough times. Those things are important, but at the heart of salvation is a personal relationship with Jesus. I am the truth and the life, and the, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said to his followers. And so we come to this place of understanding that, that our salvation comes through the Lord and it brings us joy, but it's a, a rock for us. You understand that? It's a foundation upon which we stand even in the midst of great sorrow, even in the midst of great struggling. And I've been, I've been so uh, just blessed and... Um, impressed and, and just found such great joy this week with, with the Martin family and with so many of you just in this process trusting the Lord just seeking out his goodness be, being mindful of his, of his joy and being mindful of his blessings and, and I just want to remind you this morning we can have joy because we have salvation in the Lord now look at Psalm 95 again let's just start at verse 1 again oh come let us sing to the Lord let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation, right? That's the, the foundation of who we are. It's found in Christ. It's found in His salvation. It allows us to sing to Him and praise Him and make a joyful noise. Verse 2, let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. All of those things are built upon the foundation of Christ. Verse 3, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Here's the second truth I want you to see this morning. We have joy because the Lord is the great king and controls all things. The Lord is a great king and controls all things things. Verse 3 kind of lays it out for us very clearly. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And you, you may remember the, the people of Israel in, 
We've been talking a lot in the book of Hebrews about the, the, the author of Hebrews is writing to first century Jewish people who were very familiar with the Old Testament. And so he, he ties a lot of what he says into the Old Testament. In fact, he quotes kind of the second half of verse 95. We've already seen that in of, of, of Psalm 95. He quotes Psalm 95 in Hebrews. We've kind of already seen that. But you may remember if you've studied any Old Testament history that the Jewish people were surrounded by people in other countries and other peoples that had false gods. And so one of the struggles of the people of Israel oftentimes is they would allow those false gods to kind of enter into their life. And so they would go out and, and intermarry sometimes and they would bring those false gods back into the camp and, and the Lord would, would, would kind of punish them. And so there's this, there's this interesting, almost like a roller coaster of Old Testament history where the Jewish people would be uh, kind of trusting the Lord and following the Lord and then they'd do something wrong and it's kind of this downward spiral, this downward slope until the Lord would, would punish them and correct what they did and then they'd come back up and they would trust the Lord and on and on again but a lot of it had to do with their lack of faith in the Lord and so, so they would go find these false idols right they would go find these false gods and, and, and we just need to be reminded here just like the children of Israel did that, that in the midst of, of the world filled with a lot of false idols we serve the living king and he is a great God and he controls all things you know I, I talk a lot about going to India and and my heart really is in, 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 is in India when it comes to mission work because I just love what's happening there. I love our partnership there. I love what we're able to do there and how we meet oftentimes with the local believers. And one of the things I love about going is that we go into houses and train local believers and, and share our faith and encourage them. And I just I love what the Lord's doing there. But India is known uh, as a polytheistic place, right? There's lots of gods. In fact, there are estimated 300 million and I said that right somebody stopped me after the 845 and he said you mean 3 million no I mean 300 million right I'm not I'm not misstating that and the way that happens is there are 1.4 1.5 billion people in India and many of them have kind of a personal God. And I've talked about this before. They'll put, a, they'll put a little altar in their house or in the corner of their room. And so you go into their house and there's a little box oftentimes in the corner and kind of up a little higher. And it's got some candles in it and maybe some incense is burning. Maybe they've offered a little bit of food to their idol. And it's a personal God that they believe is watching just over their family, just over their household. I went into a family's house a couple of times ago. And, and the, the neat thing about going into these houses is you get to play kind of the dumb tourist like, what is the box? I know exactly what the box is. I've prayed about the boxes. But I ask, what, what's the box in the corner? What is that for? And they begin to tell me about their God, and I get a chance to share with them about my God. It's a great way to kind of begin this spiritual conversation. But we, we, we hear these stories, and we think 300 million gods. How in the world could they have so many false gods? How could they worship so many false idols? How could they, they, they be so led astray? And it's very easy for us to think that until we're honest with ourselves and we begin to see the way we live our lives. Uh, we, we may not have 300 million false idols, but I promise you we've all got them. And we all struggle with them. materialism, status, wealth, beauty, fear, doubt, worry. All, all those are false gods. And if we're not careful, those things begin to kind of shape us and mold us and they kind of bring us to this place where we oftentimes are following those things and seeking after those things and desiring those things and watch, finding joy in those things more than we are in the things of the Lord. 
And so there's, there's this big red flag that we're waving right here. Be aware, right? Be careful. The Bible says we serve the great king who controls all things. You say, listen, I get that. I understand it. The idea of materialism is a struggle for me or wealth or status or, or whatever it is. Right? We've all got these idols that we struggle through. What, what do I need to do in order to kind of break free from those things? Well, trusting in the Lord, obviously. And very slowly, but on a regular basis, giving those things up to him. For, for example, if, if you struggle with, with the God of status, maybe you could spend time with people that are less fortunate than you. There are plenty of them around, by the way. If you struggle with the God of doubt, why don't you look for all the ways in which the Lord has worked in your life? Why don't you make a list of all the ways in which he's provided for you, all the things he's done for you? If you struggle with the God of wealth, why don't you give more of your things away? Right? These battles are real, but we need to understand God has power over them. And we serve a great God. We, we serve a God that is not only uh, involved in our lives, but he is the creator of all things. I want you to look at verses 4 and 5 again. Right? It just kind of gives us a sense of his power. In his hand are the depths of the earth, right? And the heights of the mountains are also his. Go to 5. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hand formed the dry ground. There's this idea kind of built into these verses that he is in all places. He's at the depth of the sea. He's at the height of the mountains. He's in the water. He's on the land. He formed all these things. He made them. He created them, and he reigns over them. And so we, we, we get this picture that God is at work, not just here in Rosemont, not just here in Troop County, not just here in Georgia, but really all over the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display his knowledge. You know, we, we've seen the, the Lord at work already this week. I, I was waiting till this Sunday to kind of tell the church about this. I mentioned it Friday as well, but we have this great opportunity as a church, and I want you to hear this. We've got this great opportunity as a church to send a mission team to a very, very difficult place in Central Asia. And in fact, it's, it's really so difficult. The name of Jesus is not proclaimed there. It's illegal. It's a very difficult country even to get into. And you can probably put two and two together, maybe even figure out what we're talking about. You hear about it in the news oftentimes. It's such a difficult place. We're not even going to tell you who's going. We're not going to tell you when they're going or where they're going. But I want you, it's going to happen in the next few weeks, I want you to pray specifically this upcoming week for this team. Because they're going to go into a place where the name of Jesus isn't proclaimed, and they're going to proclaim the name of Jesus. <laughs> it started, we got a phone call from a missionary partner, long story. Uh, this person said, listen, I've been, I've been reaching out. This is, this is literally what this person said. I've been reaching out to a lot of churches because I'd love for a team to come and help me, but nobody will come. We know that you love the nations and you send a lot of people. Would you be willing to come? Absolutely. And then I started praying about it. <laughs> like, God, we've already committed to this. You better give me peace about it. You better find some people that will be willing to go. And sure enough, we kind of put it out to a few people. And we've got a small group that's going to go. Robert Martin was going to be one of the guys that was going to go. He's got, a, obviously, a doctor and medical background. And, and, and oftentimes, getting into these difficult countries, you need a platform. You can't just walk in as a Christian, certainly. You don't walk in as, as sharing the gospel. You walk in on a different platform. And we were going to go do humanitarian type stuff. And he's not going to be able to go now. And so we let the missionary know. And, and, and she kind of told us this interesting story. She emailed us back. 
And she said, you know, you, you understand the country I'm in and, and I don't share the gospel and I can't just talk to people in groups. Uh, and because of the country she's in, she can't even go out by herself without being covered, you can imagine. And here's what she said. She said, I usually don't just make announcements to large groups. But I felt like I had to say something. So about 20 women and girls heard that Jesus loves them. Now that's a profound thing to happen in this place. And it happened because of the, the struggle and the tragedy that, that this community and this family has faced this week. God has taken that. You need to understand this. God has taken that and is already, through his glory, using it so other people will know about him. It's a, it's a beautiful reminder that his hands are at the depths of the sea. They're at the top of the mountains. He formed the waters. He formed the dry land. He's everywhere all at once. And he's using his people to accomplish his purposes. We find joy in that. We find hope in that. But I want you to kind of narrow it down just a little bit, right? Because it's not just that God created the universe and controls all things. He does, but he also created me. And he created you. And there's this beautiful picture here in Psalm 95, 6 and 7 that really brings this close to home, right? We, we, we find joy in his salvation. We find joy that he's the creator of all things. He's the big God of the universe. He's at work here and there and everywhere, the, the top of the mountains all the way to the sea and across all land. He's the God that works. But notice what verse 6 and 7 say because they bring it really close to home. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Watch this, verse 7. For he is, what? Our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Here's the third thing I want you to see this morning. We have joy because God is our God. And we are his people. There's this incredible truth, and it's, it's really... Uh, doesn't make any sense on, on a human level. Why, why would the, the God of the universe... The, the creator of all things love us enough to step down out of heaven and to give his life for our sins. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what the Bible says he does. And he uses this analogy of, of the pasture and, and the sheep, right? And, and we don't really get that in our century, do we? I, I joked and they laughed at me in the 830 service. I don't know that I've ever actually even touched a sheep. I don't know if I have or not. Maybe I have, maybe when I was a kid. But I don't know anything about sheep. I can read about them. But I know from what I read that they need a shepherd and they're in a pasture and they're very vulnerable. And they don't really know where to go to get water or even to eat and the shepherd has to kind of lead them. And if he doesn't, they're, they're in peril of death, right? They can't survive on their own. And we see this, this analogy in verse 7 that, that we are like the sheep, right? And he's the shepherd and we trust him and we love him and we follow him and we can say that he is our God. And we are his people. And we can have this beautiful personal relationship through Christ. Now, I've been challenging you over the last several weeks with this idea of who's your one. And we started last week uh, kind of writing this down. I've, I've been really kind of leading up to this point and, and been praying about it and, and asking you to pray about it and just trust the Lord more. And I've asked you to write some names down. And so we started last week with people writing names down. I know some of you were not here last week or didn't have a chance to do that. And so in just a few minutes, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to bring the basket and set it down. I haven't touched it from last week. I took it to my office. I set it aside. I brought it back just as it is from last week. 
And I'm going to ask you, if you haven't written a name down, I want you to find a, a sheet. There's some right outside the door there. You can go grab one and write one down during our time of invitation. But here's what I want this invitation to be this morning. I, I want this to be an opportunity for us to come and to pray, and, and certainly to pray for the Martin family, but also just to remember the goodness of God and remember his joy that we find in salvation and remember that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he's our God. And we love him. So let me pray for us right now. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity you've given us this morning to serve you. The opportunity you've given us this morning to think about your goodness, Father, and all of the joy that we find in, in salvation and the joy that we find in knowing, Father, that you have a plan, that you're the creator of all things, and the joy we find in knowing that you're our God and we are your people, the joy we find in trusting the Lord in all things. And so, Lord, I pray for this time of invitation right now. I pray if there's someone here, Lord, that's never prayed to receive Christ, that this would be the moment. Open their eyes to that truth, to exactly who you are, Father, for the rest of us, I pray this would be a time for us to come and just pray around this altar, Father, trusting you, calling out on you, asking you to remind us of your goodness, Father, mindful of the Martin family, praying for strength and courage, Lord, to continue to bless them. Father, we love you and we serve you. We, we want this to be a time where we can hear from you, where great things can happen. Father, through the power of the Spirit, you use us. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You stand. Come and pray this morning. You respond as the Lord speaks.